Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Tonight, video of another violent bullying attack, where the boy's mother is furious with the school's response. Plus, I need to know what's going to happen. I mean, I want justice for Paul. Why the widow of a victim of mistaken identity thinks Surrey's switch to a municipal police force could jeopardize her husband's case. And I've seen things that no one should ever have to see. One big step for two small towns. The first BC communities to ban all single-use plastic outright. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. It has happened again. A mission mother is furious and speaking out tonight after her son says he was viciously attacked by bullies. And again, the incident was all caught on camera. Jordan Armstrong joins us live with more on this latest shocking case. Jordan. Colleen, it happened Thursday and involved students from Mission Secondary School. Now, the video is not the best quality. The mother of the 15-year-old boy who was assaulted says her son had a slice of pizza knocked out of his hand a few seconds go by, and then he's shoved to the ground, punched repeatedly, and kicked. She says her son suffered a concussion, but several hours went by before the school notified her of the attack. I did not get contacted until 4.20 in the afternoon by the vice principal wanting to check on my son. And I said, for what? So she explained to me he had been beaten up at school. And um, I, of course, was horrified. I had no idea. I thought you got for snitching, bro. I didn't snitch. You snitched, Meanwhile, Surrey RCMP revealed Friday that charges will be forwarded to Crown after this video surfaced of an assault on a grade 9 student. The video was shot Monday in the woods near Fraser Heights Secondary. Police had previously said those involved would not face charges and would instead attend a restorative justice program. But after further review, a 15-year-old boy has been arrested and released on a promise to appear. Police aren't saying what the charges are or if any further arrests will be made. Now, as for the case in Mission, the school district tells us an investigation has been launched and RCMP notified. The district adding, quote, appropriate action is being taken against some students, but details will not be made public. Colleen. All right, Jordan, thanks for that. It has been one year this month since Paul Bennett, a Surrey father, husband, nurse and hockey coach, was gunned down in the driveway of his own home in a horrific case of mistaken identity. Well, now his widow is speaking out. As Jill Bennett reports, Darlene is worried Surrey's transition to a municipal police force could jeopardize the justice she's seeking for her late husband's murder. I have hope and faith that uh, they are doing everything and uh, that one day Paul will have justice. 
It's been almost one year since Darlene Bennett's husband, Paul, was gunned down in front of their Surrey home. He was shot several times while sitting in the driveway. At first, RCMP called the shooting targeted. A month later, that changed. This was a mistaken identity. Paul Bennett was an innocent victim. Bennett still has no idea who killed her husband, but she's fully invested in finding out. She has concerns with the mayor of Surrey moving ahead with plans for a municipal force to replace the RCMP and even wrote this letter to the local Surrey Now leader, saying she's angry and disappointed about a lack of transparency. I really wish they had laid out the facts in black and white, the pros, the cons, what we're gaining, what we're losing. Um, to make me feel safer. Since writing the letter, Bennett has read the report on transitioning from the RCMP to municipal policing, but says she still has questions. You know, I've built a rapport with these detectives in IHIT for the last year. I, I don't want to lose that. I, I, I don't want that to be jeopardized in any way. BC's public safety minister doesn't have a firm date, but says it will be a while before a decision on policing in Surrey is made before any final decision is made is there has to be a thorough analysis uh, taking place within my ministry. Uh, this report is the first iteration. I'm sure there'll be all kinds of questions that come out of it. Bennett says there needs to be a referendum on the issue with residents making an informed decision. She knows firsthand what it's like to depend on RCMP officers. That now faces an uncertain future. I can't imagine starting again. That would be traumatizing. Jill Bennett, Global News. For the third time in two days, Burnaby RCMP are investigating a deadly crash. Just before 9 o'clock last night, police say a number of vehicles collided on Lougheed Highway between Madison and Gilmore Avenues. A pedestrian died at the scene. Two other people were taken to hospital with unknown injuries. It's believed speed was a factor in the crash. If you saw it happen or have dash cam video, you're asked to call Burnaby RCMP. Yesterday afternoon, another fatal multi-vehicle collision. As many as eight vehicles crashed on Kingsway near Nelson. Two people were rushed to hospital and once again, excessive speed may have played a role. And police are still looking for the driver involved in a fatal hit and run on Thursday morning near Marine Way and Boundary Road. A 75-year-old pedestrian died at the scene. RCMP believe the man was not in a marked crosswalk when he was struck. Witnesses say the driver of a semi-truck towing a dark red shipping container stopped for a few minutes after the crash, then took off headed east on Marine Way. Surrey is joining Vancouver in the war against cigarette butts. The litter is not only an environmental hazard, it's a fire hazard too, especially at this time of year. As Julia Foy reports, firefighters want to remind us all that what goes up in flames isn't always easy to replace. Yeah, I love coming to the forest. It's probably my favorite place to be. A ferry leads the way for visitors to Sunnyside Heritage Park, a 130-hectare natural second-growth forest in South Surrey with trees up to 100 years old. To me, it's absolutely priceless, and particularly as I hear there are more and more trees being cut down. This, If we're not careful, this might be the last piece of forest in this part of the world. An open house was held Saturday to help bring awareness about the importance of this ecosystem. But as people enjoyed the views of Sunnyside from above... Look at this. 82-year-old environmental activist Dee Wamsley was walking around the edges of the park, picking up cigarette butts. How long have you been picking them up? A couple of minutes. That's from people having lunch and then they're after lunch cigarette in a parking lot next to the forest. 
sickening. Yeah. And uh, afraid, scared that it's going to go one of these days. With a long, dry summer in the forecast, the risk of brush or forest fires in the city of Parks is growing. If you're discarding cigarettes, whether it's uh, while you're walking or in your vehicle, please do so properly, uh, maybe in a cup of water or water bottle. Please don't discard them on the ground. Crews responding to fires caused by cigarettes will post banners like this to help remind the public about the danger. Would you guys like to join us on the ferry walk? Back at Sunnyside Park, the youngest visitors were clear about why they love the forest. I like walking. Like walking in the forest? And I like seeing them. Like the trees. The forest is amazing. <laughs> I have a deep breath every time. It's very, very fun. Julia Foy, Global News. Next week, temperatures across much of the province are expected to soar and the humidity will fall. That combination, along with wind in the forecast, has led to an open burning ban in the Okanagan. Campfires are still allowed as long as your city or district allows them. The open burning ban in the Canloops Fire Centre begins on Wednesday at noon. That area covers the Okanagan, Kamloops and Merritt areas. The ban impacts fires larger than one metre high by two metres wide and includes fireworks, sky lanterns, tiki torches, burning barrels and cages. West Shore RCMP are asking for your help to find a man who approached a group of elementary school students this week. Three students near Crystal View Elementary in Langford say they were approached just before 8 o'clock yesterday morning by a man who asked them if they wanted a lift. They said no and immediately reported what happened. The man is described as dark-skinned and in his early 20s. He is tall with a thin build and has short curly hair with a beard or goatee. He was wearing a gray shirt at the time. He was driving a newer silver four-door car in uh, the area of Atkins Avenue. If you have any information, you're asked to please call West Shore RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Their pristine shorelines and old-growth forests have made them vacation meccas for British Columbians and tourists from around the world. Now, Tofino and Euclid are also the first B.C. communities to begin an outright ban on single-use plastics on this World Oceans Day. As Kristen Robinson tells us, for many there, this is just a formality. It's the last straw in Tofino. These items now outlawed as the tourist mecca collaborates with Euclulet on a single-use plastic bylaw. Single-use plastic bags, single-use straws, they're items of convenience. It feels easy to use them, but we know that they have a, a negative effect on the environment. In a BC first, the two West Coast communities getting rid of plastic straws and also banning plastic bags as the pollution from both piles up in our oceans in staggering numbers. Over 8 billion kilograms of plastic garbage enters our oceans every year. That's the same in weight as over 4 million SUVs or over 1 million elephants. So it's huge. Trashing single-use plastics and serving up sustainability won't be tough, according to Tofino's mayor. Most businesses already ahead of the game with compostable cups and cardboard straws. People are really appreciative that we have these options um, available to them. It's everyone in Tofino is very uh, green-minded. The beach destination modeling its bylaw after Victoria, which banned single-use plastic bags last year. Salmon Arm has since followed, 
Vancouver Council contemplating a plastic bag ban and starting next April, the city will outlaw the unnecessary use of plastic straws. I think it's time for the province and for the feds to step up as well and consider this kind of ban across the province or across Canada. Look at all these like tiny things there. In an effort to reduce or eliminate the volume of plastic garbage, volunteers are forced to remove from our shores on World Oceans Day. I think it's the wave of the future. It's the way we should go. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The federal fisheries minister made an announcement today aimed at protecting our oceans. Jonathan Wilkinson was at the Pacific Science Enterprise Center for, to pledge millions for coastal habitat restoration projects. He also announced funds to attract the impacts of port-related activities on our coastal ecosystems. We are investing in 24 new coastal restoration fund projects under the third phase of this project. This fund supports projects that help to restore coastal aquatic habitats across this country. And I am thus also pleased to announce today an investment of more than $5 million in nine new data collection projects here in the Port of Vancouver and up the coast in the Port of Prince Rupert. Hundreds of cyclists on Vancouver Island joined the Boomer's Legacy BC bike ride weekend. Riders are celebrating the life and legacy of Corporal Andrew Boomer Eichlinboom. He was an army medic killed by a suicide bomber in Afghanistan 13 years ago. Two groups are cruising from Comox to Nanaimo to support Boomer's legacy. The charity supports many causes, including the Vancouver Island Compassion Dog Society, which pairs veterans with service animals. The opportunity to reach out to those around the world who were in need are really the legacy that he leaves behind and his mom Maureen has carried that on in spades his brother is in the ride the whole family is supporting and I think it holds a great deal of meaning for people to understand that this is about an individual who gave his life and we continue to raise funds and resources to help uh, raise up and assist in the lives of those who are less fortunate around the world thanks to his legacy well, game five of the NBA Finals happens on Monday, but in Toronto, Raptors fans are already lining up to stake out a spot in the outdoor fan zone known as Jurassic Park. They're one win away from their first ever NBA title. Oh yeah, pandemonium last night after the Raptors took game four in Oakland against the Golden State Warriors. They just didn't want to leave. In Oakland, hundreds of Raptors fans packed Oracle Arena to watch our team take down the Golden State Warriors for the 3-1 to one series lead. With the fan frenzy growing, Toronto could see a major street party Monday night. And that is some wondering how wild it might get if the Raptors bring the NBA title north. Matthew Bingley reports. When it comes to supporting your team, arriving fashionably late just doesn't cut it, which is why Tyler Seedon and Angie Taylor are camping out to lay claim to their spot in Jurassic Park. Oh, we got the tent, as you can see. Got the uh, butane stove, got a cooler full of food, snacks, hygiene products. We got the bathrooms over there supplied by MLSE. We're good to go. Thousands have been attending outdoor viewing parties and even more have been packing into bars. Afterwards, enthusiastic fans have been spilling out onto the street. It's hard to tell now, but this stretch of Front Street was clogged with Toronto supporters on Friday night. 
After another decisive win, a jubilant throng shut down traffic to cheer, dance and party. And with one more game to go before a potential championship title, many are planning to go big on Monday night. I'm going to celebrate till the morning in the streets, of definitely. Okay. Tuesday I'm going to take the day off. And maybe I'll call and see after the game. <laughs> I've heard that from a couple people so far. With the task of keeping everyone safe while they have a good time, the city is planning on augmenting its existing plans, which include street closures around Scotiabank Arena. Well, the police chief understands, our transportation services department understand that the paramount need as we celebrate our success of our Raptors uh, is to keep people safe. So far, many have been praising the respectful revelry following playoff wins. Raptors fan Paul Nudstani is expecting more of the same on Monday. It's, it's rowdy, but it's a, it's a respectful rowdy, right? Like, everyone's respectful of space. Uh, there's no, like, there's no fighting. There's no, there's no, like, negative energy. It's just positive vibes in the streets. With an exciting run so far, Nudstani thinks the city has shown it can handle what comes next. But just in case, police are warning the public to make decisions that won't impact their safety or others. Matthew Bingley, Global News, Toronto. Okay, Yvonne and Barry are here mm -hmm. now. So that's if they win their, mm -hmm. their concern. I don't know. I, I have a funny feeling they're just people are just going to be cool about it. I, I, they've mm -hmm. been really well behaved so yeah. far. I'd say most of the most people are good. There's you know there's troublemakers as we very oh, well know in Vancouver. No kidding. Got to keep those ones away. So I think you know big police presence. Don't let everyone know if there's but trouble. You're in trouble. You so got it. I Bring hope. out the horses. Exactly. That's right. There and the mallets. No, yeah. just the. <laughs> um, interesting day today. Yeah. So today is the transition day that we've been advertising, and then we're going to get into the warm temperatures and the sunshine but we still have a lot of instability when we take a look at the satellite and radar this evening and that's across the interior so the central and southern half we're still looking at the risk of thunderstorms we're tracking some wet weather we are looking at that easing off so it is going to taper off but just in behind it another system is going to bring in some wet weather we've got two stories that we're going to follow across the province the other being the sunshine temperatures are really going to heat up potentially seeing some record-breaking numbers i'll outline some of the warmer days and how hot it will get coming up very shortly okay Okay, thanks, Yvonne. Uh, we're going to have more from the Raptors. We're going to hear from Nick Nurse, who I think has not got enough credit for how great this team has been. Sure, they have Kawhi, they have stars, but it takes someone to put them all together. He's been so cool, and his adjustments in-game and throughout the series have been great. So we'll hear about that. And uh, Adam Hadwin, a Canadian's not won the Canadian Open for a couple of generations now wow. in golf, and Adam Hadwin's right there. So he almost won it back here in 2012 when he was just a kid, but uh, we'll, we'll have highlights of that as all well. All right, looking okay. forward to it. U.S. and Mexico have reached a deal to avoid U.S.-imposed tariffs. In a tweet last night, U.S. President Donald Trump said his plan to impose tariffs on Mexican goods has been suspended indefinitely. Talks between the two countries ended with a set of joint obligations. Among them, the U.S. will expand a program to stop the flow of migrants coming through Mexico to seek asylum. And the Mexican ambassador to the U.S. said Mexico will take decisive action to dismantle human trafficking while offering jobs, health care and education to its people. Police in London have arrested five teenagers in connection with an attack on a city bus. Two women were beaten and robbed after allegedly being targeted because they're a lesbian couple. Still bruised by their ordeal, 28-year-old Melania Jimonet and her 29-year-old American partner Chris are recovering at their London flat. They were beaten and bloodied on a public bus for refusing to kiss each other on demand by a group of young men. 
they got up out of their seats mm-hmm. and walked over to where we were and started very aggressively harassing us, fighting broke out and they took my phone, her bag, um, and they ran off the bus. Five teenagers between the ages of 15 and 18 have been arrested in connection with the case. Although the attack happened just over a week ago, the photo of the couple, covered in their own blood, went viral after they posted it on social media, defiantly announcing to the world they wouldn't be intimidated into hiding their sexuality. I want people to feel emboldened to stand up to the same people who feel emboldened by the right-wing populism that is, I feel, responsible for the escalation in hate crimes. Britain's prime minister called the assault sickening. And in a tweet, London's mayor, Sadiq Khan, said, this was a disgusting, misogynistic attack. Hate crimes against the LGBT plus community will not be tolerated in London. But according to police statistics, reported homophobic hate crimes across London have almost doubled over the past four years. In Poland, more than 120 firefighters worked overnight to put out a huge blaze that broke out on the upper floors of a high-rise building. Have a look at this. The fire began late Friday on the top floors of a tower at the Warsaw Hub, a new complex under construction. Firefighters managed to get it contained early this morning. The building didn't have staircases at the upper level, so they had to use ladders to reach the flames. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. A frightening scene in Sweden when a powerful explosion tore through two apartment buildings on Friday. 25 people were treated for cuts and shock. Two people remain in hospital in stable condition. The cause of the blast is unknown and no arrests have been made. Two Japan Transocean Air flights had to be cancelled today after a pilot failed an alcohol test. The parent company, Japan Airlines, says the pilot, who is in his 40s, was supposed to fly out this morning on a domestic flight. The airline says he drank two mugs of draft beer and three cups of sake on Friday afternoon. Nearly 300 passengers had to wait for other flights. In Health Matters tonight, a heart attacks and other coronary conditions are often associated with aging, which can make it easy to miss the symptoms in younger people. But as Jules Knox reports, a conference in Kelowna this weekend is trying to change that. No, no words to describe it. Paul Kennedy's daughter Stephanie was studying to be a doctor when she died suddenly, just 26 years old. You're walking around in darkness all the time. Stephanie died because she had an undiagnosed heart condition known as long QT syndrome. Your mind is always going back saying, well, if we knew this, we could have done that to prevent it. But um, no one really knows. 31-year-old Paul Brunez suspected something was wrong with his heart, but the wait for an appointment was 11 months. He died in the meantime. So I went to the, that unit and told them, do you have an appointment with Paul in November? Yeah, yes. And I said, well, he doesn't need it anymore. That was in 2010, and Paul's death prompted Pear to get involved in sponsoring heart conferences like the one in Kelowna this weekend. Since then, he says he's seen huge improvements in cardiac care. And doctors say apps like PulsePoint, which list AED locations throughout the community, are also leading to better outcomes. If somebody says there's, there's an AED 100 metres away, you can act. 
Doctors say people also need to be more aware of possible symptoms. Example is fainting is a common sign. It's like a little miniature cardiac arrest that fixes itself. So if people are aware that fainting is some, sometimes dangerous, not usually, but sometimes, that can be very helpful. These are conversations that, that are good to have at home with your kids and you know, make, them, make CPR be you know, a, a normal thing, okay to talk about. And doctors say simply being aware of where AEDs are and how to use them could help save a loved one's life. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Oh, a South African seal pup has made his TV debut at a prog zoo. This male pup, born on May 31st, waddled in front of the media before retreating back to the safety of his mum's side. He was born in an indoor pen where he'll be kept until he learns how to swim. He'll then join the rest of the seals in their outdoor enclosure where visitors will be able to see him. And speaking of little ones, a first-time balcony appearance for one young royal today. We're going to show you right after we get the forecast with Yvonne. I thought we were going to see the young royal there, but but you'll have to wait for it now. You have to wait for it. Very cute. Very cute. Hey, very sweet. Uh, you know, I've got to just say this. If it's going to be cloudy, it <laughs> might as well just dump rain. <laughs> Because we need it. Because we need it. We definitely, we do, we do need it, right? So if you are seeing the cloud cover, we're actually going to hang on to it. There will be some breaks once again tomorrow. Here's a shot, beautiful shot overlooking English Bay this evening. Temperatures are sitting at 19. That was the high for today, right where we should be. But that number is really going to increase as we get in towards next week. And the potential is there to see some record-breaking heat. A glance at what we are tracking, though. So we do have some cloud cover right across the south coast. The instability is for the interior with the risk of thunderstorms. It'll ease off. It'll be similar for the southeastern corners of the province. And then here's the next system that we are keeping a close eye on. The target and much of the moisture will be along the north and central coast. But when we take a look at the future cast, it's the northern areas of the island that could see some rainfall tomorrow. It'll be unsettled. There's more cloud cover for western areas of the island. And then it'll break up across the southern half. But areas into the interior tomorrow will also be looking at a mix of sun and cloud. And the central interior tomorrow will see the chance of showers for the afternoon afternoon and early evening. We're looking at an upper level chart and the ridge of high pressure is going to build in. This feature will give us the sunshine and temperatures are really going to spike and peak likely on Wednesday, Thursday across the interior with many spots getting into the low 30s and then it'll still be dry and sunny even leading in towards next weekend. A glance at some of the numbers, the temperature trends. So Wednesday, Thursday, some of the hottest days. Be prepared. It'll be very dry, especially if you're outdoors. Here's a glance though for the piece tomorrow, 18. So a nice break. Uh, temperature will be right around the average. It's a white horse that will still see some morning fog and a chance of showers. The moisture will be across the north coast. It'll pick up and intensify with the winds tomorrow. Areas along the coast could get up to 60 kilometers per hour and rain and heavy at times for Monday, Tuesday. Caribou and central interior, a nice dry start to the morning and then a chance of showers developing or beginning by the afternoon and evening. Much of the Colombian Kootenai will be a much calmer day tomorrow, partly cloudy up to 22, 29 for your Tuesday. Tops at Okanagan, we can see that range in temperatures, 23 tomorrow and then up to 30 degrees on your Tuesday. And areas near Whistler could still see a chance of showers tomorrow, so one more unsettled day. And then a nice break will be for your Monday onwards. And it's the northern areas of the island that we are going to see that wet weather, rain and heavy at times, southern and central sections, however. We'll be seeing some nice breaks tomorrow. Then the heat is on. We'll be warming up into next week. A few spots away from the water could even get up to 30 degrees on our Wednesday. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne.
The Duchess of Sussex made her first royal engagement since giving birth to her son five weeks ago. Today, honoring the Queen on her 93rd birthday. Meghan, along with her husband Prince Harry, the Duchess of Cambridge and the Duchess of Cornwall were among the members of the royal family attending the annual Trooping the Colour Parade. The Queen was born in April, but for more than 280 years, the British monarch's official birthday has been celebrated in June to take advantage of better weather and now because it's a tradition. After the parade of 1,400 soldiers, the royal family gathered on the balcony, balcony of Buckingham Palace to watch a Royal Air Force fly past. It's the first time Prince William's youngest child, Prince Louis, has appeared on the balcony. And the one-year-old watched the ceremony in the arms of his mother, Catherine. Nice. Your story. She saw your story on Global. His kidneys were failing. Dozens of people came forward following his emotional plea for a living donor. Getting my surgery on Monday. She saved all five of us. Global News. We are BC's News. Okay, have a look at this if you dare. Thrill seekers are braving a frightening challenge, balancing hundreds of meters over the French Alps. These adventurous people traversed an 800-meter-long slack line 300 meters above the Saint-Genet Mountains in southern France. Some lost their balance, apparently. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't fall. They were okay. The record time to cross the slack line, 19 minutes, 50 seconds of sheer terror. Well, it would be lap for me anyway. There's no way. I can't see his tether. Where is his... I don't, don't, don't want to know. How do you practice that? I don't know. Very carefully. Very carefully. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Colleen, we're going to something a little less dangerous, I suppose, uh. but certainly exciting. Uh, with the Raptors one win away from their first NBA title, uh, it will be a torturous 48 hours waiting for Game 5 tip-off in Toronto. The atmosphere will be beyond electric. Will Kevin Durant play? The Warriors better hope so because the Raptors are squashing their spirit after two dominant wins in Oakland. In their last eight playoff games against Milwaukee and now Golden State, the Raps are 7-1. and one. They have never played better. Their defense is giving the Warriors a headache and the Raptors' depth has proven too much. Last night it was Serge Ibaka pouring in 20 points off the bench, all in support of Kawhi Leonard, who's having one of the greatest playoffs in NBA history. Leonard, pull-up jumper, puts it in. Kawhi Leonard dominating right now. I mean, obviously he's playing great, right? And he's uh, he's um, lifted us a lot of times with with big buckets or runs of buckets or just that settling bucket when the place is going crazy and and he'll calmly sink one, you know, to kind of quiet the crowd. But I think, you know, more than anything, you know, just <clears throat> once we saw him early in the year, I think, again, your team's vision of who they can become eventually changes. You know, we're going to get back there, and as you know, they're going to be going crazy in Toronto. And, I, and you know, my message to them is is, is um, we, we've never really talked about the series score. Um can't let people take you someplace you aren't yet, right? And and we know this is a great team, and we know how hard we have to play to beat them. You know, home or away, we know how hard we have to play and just, just focus in on trying to be the hardest working team on the floor. If we do that, then we'll give ourselves a chance to win and, and go from there. It has been 65 years since the Canadian won the Canadian Open. Pat Fletcher back in 1954. But there are three Canadians in the top ten 
heading into tomorrow's final round in Hamilton. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin wants to end that drought badly. He's done extra work getting ready for this tournament, even sacrificing a chance to qualify for the U.S. Open to be ready this week. And right now, Adam is just one shot off the lead after a very solid third round today. Tougher conditions in Hamilton today. Some wind, greens drying out, scores much higher today than the first few rounds. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford began the day just a shot off the lead. This was one of just two birdies on the day for Nick. Three over today, but still tied for ninth at eight under. Merritt's Roger Sloan with a par at 18. He's at four under, tied for 38. Adam Hadwin started the day three off the lead. He was just at even par through 12, but then this jump-started his round at the 13th. Pitches in for the unlikely birdie. That gets him to 10 under. And then at the 15th, nine feet away for birdie. And he knocks it in. When he gets the putter warmed up, Adam can uh, put up some low numbers. Gets to 11 under. Then at 17, third shot on the par five. And uh, we'd all like to be able to do this. Check out the action and the spin here. Stops it seven feet away and then finishes the job by bending that one in for another birdie. Hadwin three under 67 today, minus 12, tied for fourth. Just one shot off the lead. Rory McIlroy had the low round of the day at the 11th. Rory knocks it in, but his best shot of the day comes at the 15th from 129 yards out. Rory really dialed in today. Almost holes this one for an eagle. It was a tap-in birdie. McIlroy, 6 under 64 today, tied for the lead at 13 under in his very first RBC Canadian Open. Matt Kuchar also tied for the lead, makes birdie at the 11th. He is at 13 under. It's a three-way tie. Webb Simpson also at minus 13. Here's a look at the leaderboard. Adam Hadwin will play in the third last pairing with Brant Snedeker. Mackenzie Hughes, a Hamilton boy, is in the mix. He is eighth at nine under, just four back. Still to come, or let's check out Ashley, some French Open today. This is the junior girls final featuring Montreal's Leila Annie Fernandez, just 16 years old. She looks like she could be the next young star in Canadian tennis. Seated number one, she was the class of the field, never did drop a set at Roland Garros. A big overhead smash helped her win the opening set, and then on match point, her American opponent hits long. 6-3, 6-2 the final for Leela Annie Fernandez, still just 16. We'll see if she can make the jump to the WTA Tour, if she can become a top player and join the likes of Bianca Andreescu. Now to the women's final at the French Open, 8 seed Ash Barty taking on Marketa Vondrasova of the Czech Republic. Barty from Australia took a two-year break from tennis in 2014 to play cricket. Uh, cricket, rather, a good decision to return to tennis. Barty has been zooming up the rankings the past year, rips the forehand winner, took the first set 6-1. One-sided today, all Ash Barty puts away the smash on match point. 6-1, 6-3, wins her first ever major title and will be ranked second in the world when the new rankings come out Monday. And it took a couple of days, but finally the men's semifinal between world number one Novak Djokovic and Austria's Domek team was completed today. Fifth set team with some match points, but Djokovic kept fighting them off, would get the break to stay alive. But team has had an excellent spring, has won some big matches, and this may be the biggest. Rips the winner to eliminate Djokovic as team advances to the final where he will meet 11-time champ Rafa Nadal tomorrow at 6 a.m. our time. 
Welcome back. It would be a disaster if the Lions lost quarterback Mike Riley to injury at all this year. But if the veteran does miss some time, they may have found a very capable backup in rookie Grant Kramer, who showed some impressive skills rallying the Lions to a big fourth quarter comeback over Calgary in their final preseason game last night. Mike Riley looked very sharp at training camp, and he looked good in his limited time, hooking up with Brian Burnham. Already great chemistry between those two vets. Riley uh, led, uh, did score a one-yard touchdown in the first. He only played one quarter. Fourth quarter, Lions down 11, but rookie quarterback Grant Kramer dialing up some magic, finds Jamal Jones down at the one. They would uh, punch it in from there, 36-32. Kramer's efforts may be winning him the backup job. Goes up top to Joey Augustin down the sidelines, deep into Calgary territory. And then to cap it off, Kramer to Wayne Moore for the winning touchdown as Kramer was 6 for 8, 145 yards and the touchdown. Lions take it 38-36, and Grant Kramer definitely opened some eyes with that performance. It's a high-pressure situation. Uh, doesn't get any more pressure than that, especially for a young guy coming in with the game on the line and having to march down and put a, put a touchdown in the end zone. Um, thought he did a fantastic job. I thought he did well on his reads. His throws were accurate. Um, you know, he'll watch the film, and there will be things that will clean up his footwork and things like that for his first time out, man. It doesn't get any better than that. That was awesome to watch. Being prepared, coming in prepared, studying my butt off the last nine days, um, just ready, getting ready for the opportunity. You never know when that opportunity is going to hit, and it was a great opportunity to be able to come back and win the football game. All right, the Whitecaps are off for two more weeks, but today in South Korea, their development team played against Daejeon Citizen FC, the former club of current Whitecap, in Biom Hwang. Caps did get a goal. Patrick Metcalf with a nice one here from about 25 yards out. Metcalf is from Richmond, tied at 1-1. 24,000 fans in attendance watched Daejeon win 3-1, but a good experience for the young Whitecaps in South Korea. FIFA Women's World Cup from France, Germany taking on China. The Germans ranked number two in the world, always a contender. The only goal of the match goes to Germany. Julia Gavin settles it, then thumps it through traffic and into the back of the old onion bag. The 19-year-old in her World Cup debut gives Germany a 1-0 win over China. Spain and South Africa. The Spaniards fell behind early to South Africa, but scored twice on penalty kicks in a 10-minute span in the second half, both from Jennifer Hermoso. 2-1 Spain, and then they will put it away late as Lucia Garcia goes around the keeper and puts it in for Spain. 3-1 the final over South Africa. Final match today, Norway-Nigeria. 17th minute. Uro Rayton gives the Norwegians the lead. Her shot from in close deflects off of a Nigerian defender and in. 1-0 Norway. Always a lot of jubilation after you score. Then it's Lisa Marie Carlsing utland Some insurance for Norway who win handily 3-0 in their opener, Canada plays its tournament opener Monday against Cameroon. Baseball today, Aaron Sanchez and the Blue Jays taking on Arizona. This one was all zona. David Peralta pulls one into the right field corner. It's an RBI double. Diamondbacks up 3-0. Arizona won last night 8-2. Toronto has struggled a lot lately. They beat the Yankees in a series earlier this week, but other than that, the last month has been pretty miserable. Sixth inning, Alex Avila sends one the other way. Solo shot 6-0 in the final. Toronto's record now 23-41. 
Well, it has been a bizarre American Triple Crown season with the disqualification at the Kentucky Derby and a jockey getting thrown from his horse in the Preakness. So keeping up with the anything can happen theme, a relative long shot won today's Belmont Stakes in New York. On the inside, Jovia fights on. Tacitus is there. And then Tex between horses. Master Fencer on the far outside. They're coming to the finish. And Sir Winston has won the Belmont Stakes. And then it was Tacitus second, followed by Jovia third. Horse racing kind of weird this yeah, season. Yeah, it was very strange. Not a lot of attention because no, no, no horses were in the Triple Crown race. Right. But just bizarre incidents in the first two yeah. events kind of took the yeah. shine off a bit, I guess. You know, with so many people who are addicted to their screens, it's often hard to get kids to get outside and get active. But a local First Nation band is trying to reverse that trend by, well, by turning to traditional practices. Michael Newman has more. For members of the Musqueam Nation, archery is an art and skill that has played a large role in their rich cultural tradition. You know, uh, something about archery is the Musqueam people have been doing it for thousands of years. But now... The uncles and cousins who've taught archery to youth for generations are competing with the digital age. We're going to set up today just to do a quick little session. So right? elders are re-engaging kids in their ancient ways with a new triad program. The program will keep the traditional hunting and protective skills of archery alive and is a fun way to get active. It was almost lost at one point in time because um, it was removed from our mainstream where other things came in. It's very important to retain that though because it is also a link to that a very old past, which has a lot of old teachings. If we're doing it for hunting, what do we owe the animal that we're hunting? Respect. Respect, right? My dad had a recurve, and I was always interested in it, and yeah, I kind of wanted to get into it. A combination of hand-eye coordination, strength, and even math, the activity is one that requires guidance and lots of practice. For knowledge keepers like Musqueam Councilman Morgan Guerin, the program is an important way to combat a sedentary lifestyle in kids. Getting kids off their tablets and cell phones and outdoors and doing things, I think that's a universal need. The hope of the program is to create an entry point into the sport of archery, but also to something more. To be proud of who they are, to have that sense of connection that they have to their ancestors as they're learning this, and to have that sense of being outside, being with family, being with community, enjoying sport, enjoying your body, because it is the greatest gift you have. The bow, a cultural anchor tethering the past of their people to the present. Michael Newman, Global News. And you can download the free participation app and log your own physical activity now until June 16th to help your community win $150,000 and participation participations crowns Canada's most active community. Go to participaction.com for more on the Community Better Challenge. A lot of reminiscing going on in the halls of Langley's oldest school this weekend. Langley Secondary School celebrated its 110th anniversary today. Past, present and future students walked the halls one last time before sections of the old building are demolished this summer. And it's not just about memories. The School District Foundation was also fundraising for post-secondary scholarships. I think one of the draws today is the fact that not just we're 110 years old, but that the old part of the school is actually being torn down. And for people to walk the halls one last time and see their friends in the same halls 50 years later and tell the same jokes and the same stories, that's rich. That's very rich see some old classmates that I haven't seen for many years. 
and I wanted to see what I looked like 50 years ago. <laughs> I love it. Isn't that sweet? If those uh, lockers could talk. Oh, yeah. no They've seen kidding. No years, kidding. So. Where did you go to school? Uh, Grand Cash, Northern Alberta. Yeah. I, St. Thomas More, Collegiate. Squamont, Victoria. <laughs> Have a great night. Join Jordan at 11 o'clock. Take care. <laughs>